This week's episode is brought to you by clubs. Want to feel exclusive, but don't want to actually do anything that would give you exclusivity? Well, now with clubs, you can shut out people who you don't like. Clubs. The best type of sandwich there is. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking about uh, the clubs of Vanguard. And what, what clubs? So uh, we a like, while ago, I, I forgot who told me, but there there is a concept of something called the Broken Common Club, which is a card that is of the common rarity that kind of doesn't deserve to be of the common rarity because of how a, good it mean, is. You mean a mistake? <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be a mistake, but just the uh, has so drastically helped or altered a deck, despite being a common, that uh, it kind of deserves to be its own it, it, in a league of its own. All right, the reason I call it a mistake is because Bushiroad looks a lot more closely about how the GRs and triple Rs affect the game more than you know the rest the rest of the cards in the set. Yeah. So. If a common does slip through the cracks, as it were, it tends to be kind of a, it tends to be more absurd. Yeah. Because like all, almost all the triggers are at common, and they'll just like and they're like throwing whatever effects they feel like on stand triggers, so it's like pretty easy for them to be like pretty absurd. Yeah. So that that's why I said like a mistake, in the sense that they didn't intend for it to change the game as much as it did. Yeah. So uh, we've compiled a little bit of a list for you. Um, and it, you know, some clans have multiple broken commons, some don't have any at all, but that's just, that's the way the news goes. So, um, we're going to kind of just go through the list here and explain what the card does and, uh, why it's broken. And it's basically just kind of like a set review, except we're making this ourselves. So, all right. <laughs> you want to go first? Sure. So the first one, which uh, which kind of uh, has lost a lot of its uh, luster because people, A, learned how to deal with it, and B, the deck is just not good, is um, Dimensional Robo Diehawk. So it's a starter for Dimension Police that you can shove – well, if you're on a grade 3 Dimension Police, your opponent can be one, whatever they want. They can be grade 0 for all you care. You shove four Dimensional Robo, Robo Guards, you can include itself, and a soul, and you can stride into a Dimensional Robo unit. The idea here is that you get to stride uh, a turn earlier, so you get to force first stride regardless of the situation, and you and you stride into Die Earth, which calls two additional units. The way people play around this is just not giving you counterblast. Yeah. So if like you ride a seven k, your opponent rides a six k, attack no boost. Oh, trigger put on my put on my starter. And you're just like, oh. I mean, but if your opponent's an idiot, this card like makes that game very very hard for them yeah or just like the surprise factor because you get first stride no matter what well yeah and what this card did do regardless of whether or not people know how to play against it or not is it changes the texture of the game like normally you just like attack pass attack you know people are like attack pass call some stuff attack attack pass you know like then you're like call some other stuff attack your rear attack your van pass right but now this would be all right, I'm going to ride grade one say, in pass turn. Your opponent goes, call a thing, uh, you know, attack. If your opponent plays that same game, call a thing, attack van, attack van. Okay, I'm at two damage. 
my next turn I'm gonna ride the two, attack your rear, attack your van, right? And then maybe you you take a couple maybe you take a damage on your next turn, and you're at three, right? And you're like, I'm gonna stride. Oh, you're great too. You have a rear guard. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna attack your rear guard with my stride. And your opponent's like, I can't G guard because I'm not grade three. Yeah. And if they're playing an unflippy PG, they can't even PG. So you just get to drive check six if you have a Laurel. Yeah. And then Die, die Earth lets you make up the cost of Die Hawk. Yeah. So Die Hawk is a minus one with Die Earth. It's a minus one, but you get guaranteed first ride. Yeah. Which is absolutely massive. And then from then on, you just go and you just have a guard break every turn. Mm hmm. Yeah, so, but this card did lose a lot of its luster, A, because people learned how to play against it, and B, because Dimension Police is terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it just got, they got power crept. Yeah, I mean, it was, they didn't have a lot going for them to start with, and people just figuring it out, and, because, I mean, a lot of people do play DP for what it's worth, so it tends to get figured out faster than other clans. Yeah. People don't feel like it's quite... I mean, some people actually hate the deck. Right, Woe? Yeah, Woe Dragon, like, for example, hates DP more than anything, despite the deck being almost unplayable, in my opinion. Like, I think I think DP, right, as of now, is in the bottom five clans in the game. I'm pretty sure, like, Woe Dragon's big hatred now is Ishikashima and OTT. I think... I still think he hates uh, Dimension Police more than OTT, even at this point. Oh, wow. Because he thinks Guard Break is really, really stupid. Which is fair. <laughs> I mean, you gotta be stupid to be good. That's true. If 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 your opponent feels like your cards are fair, your deck's not good enough. Gold Paladin. Um. All right. The next one, and anybody who hangs out in Proof's Discord has probably heard this eighty gajillion times. It's Mayhem Tiger. Uh. So it's grade two, nine K with charges. Uh, charge being if it's placed due to an effect, you can have it become charging, and then after it attacks, it goes back to the bottom of your deck. And then the other skill is GB one or boosts that too, or just at the at the end of its battle. So boosting comes right, right. too. All right, soul blast one when your opponent puts a unit on the guard circle during the battle that this unit attacked a vanguard. If it's charging, you may pay the cost. If you do, choose one of your opponent's grade two or less guardians and retire it. So the way guarding works is everything happens one at a time, which means if your opponent did not throw down a perfect guard or a G guardian. You can keep take, like just breaking guards the whole time as long as you have the soul for it. They can intercept him though. Um, it's, it's not a place; it's a move. Oh, okay. I did not know that, but I mean, typically it's going to be. But usually he's going to be like thirty-one k. Yeah, and your opponent can't possibly have enough intercepts for it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, unless it's like Gurdit and. And it, that's but then up. you're playing against Gold Pound, and it's a free one anyway. <laughs> God, shut up. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, th- this thing is um, so good. I'm surprised. Like, I expected it to be a double R, but it's a common. So um, th- this is kind of the thing that, like, also makes the Hellheart 8 turn amazing. Because not only are you throwing several attacks at the wall, you better have a G-Guard or something because it's the end of the line right there. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think this card is um, a little redundant on the hell hard hell hard turn, but it does make it harder, even harder for your opponent to live. You mean hell harder for the opponent to live? Stop, stop. <laughs> so the next one is Doctoid Refros. Uh, this card 
uh, stand trigger has an act CB one. Um, choose two cards from your damage, shuffle them back in your deck, put the, t- uh, put it back in your deck, sh- shuffle, shuffle, and then you put the top two cards in damage face up. So what this does is first of all, it's a counter charge engine by itself. Second of all, there's a bunch of cards that get power for things going damage zone. And if you have, if you have four, let's say you have four cards in your deck and you have a reference. And then you activate Referus. You put two whatever cards in your deck. I think you need to, this, your deck needs to be smaller, actually. Whatever. No, four is fine. You're just very likely to keep hitting keep hitting Referuses. And your opponent probably just... You just make infinite infinites. For, for you newer players in the game, this used to, like... They had to put this to one because of that. Oh, um, even worse than that, it takes actual forever. Yeah, because you got to put them back in and shuffle them, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's the reason they limited it, not not the loop part. <laughs> they just didn't want to... Games taking I, forever. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. And I think that's why Japan also limited Elizabeth, is because they just don't want games taking five years. Yeah. Bushiroad has always had this position where they don't want games lasting five hours. What, yeah, which I guess that's what GB8s are for, is that the... Their logic there, or is that like? Uh, I, I would think that would be an extension of that logic. Uh, Although that wasn't really the problem when they made GB8, so I'm not really sure what they were thinking. Yeah. All right. Uh, yet another comment that has had to be limited due to its uh, brokenness. Uh, TikTok worker. So this was in GBTO5 along with Melum and Urwatar. So this was like that holy trinity of mate that made Gear Chronicle like a competitive force. Yeah, it's just a time leap starter. Yeah, so uh forerunner and then GB1 you put him into your soul at the end of the battle that your other rear guard attacked, you may pay the cost if you do time leap that unit. So that turns one attack into two. It actually turns it into more because uh you can do other stuff. Yeah. Cuz you can go attack with my- well, the interaction with Melum is also silly. Yeah. And that interaction being that Melum, who after attacks, after she attacks, she goes back into your deck and gets a grade zero. But the way Boucherud ruled it is that if you use her with TikTok, you get both the grade zero and the thing time-leaped out of Melum. So another big thing that people will do is time-leap Melum into History Maker Dragon, who can time-leap on his own. So then you time-leap the grade zero you got off of Melum back into Melum. And then get another attack off of it. Um, so people would run this at like, you know, three copies as their starter and then just in the main deck, right? Mm-hmm. At first. And then even when people put it back to one, they were still running it in the main deck because you couldn't use it as your starter anymore. You could search it, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well, okay. So when it was at three, Time Leap was like the most broken deck in the game. Yeah. And like people still. Were not and people in the people in the West were still running Carnadran because they're idiots. Yeah, but I get a stride fodder for next turn, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes your board, and it makes your board look awful. Yeah, but yeah, and then it got hit to one, and everyone was playing Dran TikTok, which was fine. And then, but it wasn't like a broken deck anymore. Yeah, well, exactly. and it was still really good. Then Urwatar got hit. Then it was like actually not even the best deck because Night Rose was. Yeah, but and then now, but, uh, nowadays everyone's uh, cleaved towards ZTB, and then he's not like there's still like timely players are still running around, but the 
the ZTP yeah, we stuff. Are, we are at the point where we're power creeping out TikTok worker. I just, I just, that just needed to be said. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Your turn again. All right, the next one is Enigmatic Assassin. Uh, so this is a grade zero for Dark Regulars. It doesn't have a Forerunner ability. It's just there. Uh, it has a GB1 skill. Uh, at the beginning of your attack step, if you have, what was it, like five or more cards in soul? It's ten. It's Oh, it's ten. Okay. If it, you have ten or more in soul, uh, you, you, can call it to an, you can call it to R, and it gets plus 5k. If you have t- 15 or more in soul, it gets another 10k. So the reason this card's important is because the way the attack step works in Vanguard is that it's not... You know, at the beginning of the attack phase, i.e., the you know that leads from the end of your main phase, the get an attack step is when you decide you want to attack with a unit. So you could have no board. You could say, "I want to attack with my vanguard," and I will call out this enigmatic assassin for my rearguard slot, and then attack with her. <laughs> and then you could say, "Okay, I want to attack with enigmatic assassin. I'm going to call another enigmatic assassin out." Yeah. Well, you could do it, um, like. The, the way that works is you can do it all on one side. So you can attack with it, and then on the next one, I decide I want to attack with my Vanguard, pop out the second one, attack again. So they're just all mm-hmm. being called on top of each other. As long as you have a standing unit that is able to attack, this can come out and do whatever she wants, basically. Yep. Plus she can boost, it, so... And you can even boost, like, as you call it out. Like, it's really dumb. Yeah. Like, I think the problem with this card is more, like, how the attack step is worded in the rulebook, mm-hmm. which kind of... I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Like, the way it's worded, you would think you could only do it, like, at the beginning of your attack phase. Yeah. But that is just not even close to the way it works. I think if I think if they want to uh, hit this thing, they either got to put it to one, so you can't have a seven attack turn in Blade Wings that are all over, like, 30k. Or they got to, uh, like, change the way attack step works. The problem is if you hit Enigmatic to one, I think DI is just unplayable as a clan. Yeah, I mean, people would start cleaving over toward Darkness, which is decent, but it's not... Like, Blader Mouse is still a very good card. It's just, Dark, it's, darkness is actually bad. Like, it's not even... Like, somebody somebody in some some shitter in some Discord was saying, like, how it's close to Blade Wings, but it's not. Like, Darkness doesn't do anything till second stride. Yeah, I mean, your, your first stride is basically just powering up your field and getting a grade 3 into your hand. It's not like... But that's not... Yeah. You cannot play that way in today's Vanguard. Yeah. That is a losing game. Like, you just can't play a deck that has no first stride. Yep. So, I... I, I, I and you're just... like Darkness... To, or, sorry, Blade Wings just has, like... You just get free wins sometimes. Yeah. Just it's... Like, okay. uh, the, okay. the, the amount of wins I pulled out of my ass is, like, palpable. Yeah right. You're just like, oh, I have, I have, I have the, I have four assassins and a huge demagogue. Do you want to concede? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You just get these three games. All right. Uh, next up, we have Floral Paladin Flodal. Oh boy. So she's a crit that uh, counterblast one at the end of the battle that your unit named Blasterblade attacked a vanguard. You may pay the cost. If you do, choose one of your units named Blasterblade on rearguard circle, stand it, return this unit to your deck, and shuffle your deck. Just let let me thank our lucky stars that this does not say choose one of your blaster blade and stand it because that means you could stand your vanguard or or worse like or a worse blaster unit. Oh god, yeah, that that'd be even more horrifying. Anyway, so 
Uh, the fact that a she is a crit that puts herself back in deck to restand, uh, you know, a blaster blade is good enough on its own. But like, you can have just three of these out and be like, all right, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting six attacks this turn guaranteed, unless you kill blaster blade. Oh wait, what this card have... also does? Yeah, is like it makes checking crits that much more crazy. Like, if you check a crit and you have a flow gall on field, like, that crit is now dealing double duty. Explain. Like, you're getting two attacks. Like, you put that crit on a rear, right? Yeah. And that now you're getting two attacks with that crit. Oh, okay. That's what you mean. Like, Yeah, like, it's yeah. doing twice the amount of work it normally does. So it's, like, effectively doubling a critical trigger Yeah. that you check on that turn, which makes it, like, a really high incentive to run a crit alongside something that's already a crit. Yeah. Like... I think the mistake here is that Flogal is a crit. Yeah. Which, I mean, it makes sense, like, it, you, but you could, like, it makes sense with how the original Flogal was, right? Because that was also a crit? Yeah. So vanilla? No, the, the, like, the original Flogal was a stand, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. my bad. Yeah. What was the crit, then? Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. It, it, uh, it, they made a different Flogal, like, vanilla, that's a crit. Oh, that's why I was confused. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway. Uh, but, like, I feel like this should have been, like, this is templated like a stand trigger, but it's just a crit. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it basically, it, it it's kind of like the sheep <laughs> yeah. for ZTVs, which we will get to later on in this list, but, uh, it's, um... A spoiler alert. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's not even GB1, like, you can just do this on turn two if you have the damage for it. Yep. That is, uh, that is some wacky Deck. stuff. The deck has plenty of ways to find blaster blades, so yeah. And then on top of that, like the the only way, the only out for that later in the game was, oh, I can denial Griffin. Not even more, not even anymore, because they have the nope. slot in G zone. Okay, he's got resist. Suck it. Like <laughs> did it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much it for her. All right. So the next one is a Steam Battler Urbatar. So this card again used to be much higher on the. Uh, it had it had a much better days than it does now. I was going to say um, this list this list is in no particular order. By the way, this isn't like a ranking system. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. no, this list is in whatever order we remember the cards in. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a stand trigger uh, with a GB one effect. Uh, put this unit at the bottom of your deck. When this unit is put into your bind zone from R, you may pay that cost. If you do, draw two cards, choose a card from your hand, return it to your deck, and shuffle your deck. Uh, so basically. You can keep pulling this out with Melon, binding it with uh, like History Maker or something, and then fix your hand. Yeah. I.e., put crits back in your deck, put whatever back in your deck, and just keep gaining advantage from cart. You know. Yeah. But uh, the new ZTB decks gain enough advantage where they don't need to worry about a card like Urwitar. And also, you don't want to be playing stands except for the sheep because you're already playing four sheep, so you don't want to play any more than you have to. Yeah. It's also not a ZTB. So that also hurts its case. Well, this was like before ZTBs were invented, but yeah. Right. Yeah, this was a common in GBT05. So. Yeah. So it was, again, the time leap set. Uh, yeah. If, if GBT05 was a really absurd set, I think that's something to keep in mind as we go through this card. Yeah. Um, let's see. Goddess of Sound Sleep Taro. So for Genesis, she's a stand trigger with Revelation. So Revelation being on place, look at top card. And put it either on, on top or in soul, and if you put it in soul, rest something. That's not the problem. The problem is, GB1, put this card on the bottom of your deck. When this unit is put in your drop zone from your soul, you may pay the cost. If you do, choose one of your rear guards and stand it. So, what Boucherode, I think, was intending to do was, oh, we can help get around Revelation in that if you soul blast for the cost of Genesis, you can stand one of the things that was rested. 
No. Sure. What ended up happening was uh, (laughs) this ended up making one of the craziest multi-attack decks we've ever seen in the Wiseman loop. Yeah, so I think they just forgot that Wiseman even existed. And why would you? It's a common. (laughs) It's a common from, what, BT-15? 14? Something like that. 14. 14. 14 had 14 had Genesis. Yeah. Like BT14 was already like a really mediocre set. Uh it had like cool regalia stuff in it that was like really popular at the time. Otherwise not much else. Yeah. And then this random common named Angelic Wiseman, which is one of the very few repeatable on attack soul blasts in Genesis. Yeah, because the um like what also makes it crazy like if Wiseman was just, you know, when he attacks you soul blasts three and he gets four K power for that battle. So uh that wouldn't be too bad except for the fact that you have a grade one that can make him gigantic along with, you know, uh-huh. other stuff. So like, you know, put put Gelly to bottom plus three, Soul Charge two plus you know, plus another three, put another one to the bottom, plus three, plus six, plus nine, plus twelve, etc. Um so yeah. Yeah, they really missed the mark with that one. Yeah. Well, what ended up making it a loop was you can then with the for the cost of Wiseman you soul blast out cards that when they're soul blasted you soul charge too. So, if your deck's small enough, you're just soul charging the taros you just put on bottom. Mhm. And also, if you uh soul blast taro for the cost of Wiseman on his attack, he mid restands mid attack and you just get another one. So, it's just the perfect storm of Boucherode kind of fucking up on its like the way it has the mechanics of the game being played and also just lack of hindsight. Right. Um, so yeah. the next card is a nurse of broken heart. It's a grade two common for uh, uh, angel feather from some set. I don't remember. Uh, oh, four, I think probably. Cause that was the one that had Gavro. That was the first one with, full, with uh, like the full art SPs and whatnot. Right. Yeah. All right. So this card is, um, as GB1, whenever a card is put into your damage zone, this and your Vanguard gain 2k. So, this card is it was, um, I guess, especially busted in combination with Referos, which is uh, how you got just infinite, infinite columns, basically. Yeah. And uh, But also, like, even on your opponent's turn, with cards like uh, the Grade 1 Nocio, like, it's uh, pretty easy to get your Vanguard, like, substantially large. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue is now is that people's Vanguard columns are large enough where it's not as effective. And have a lot of ways to deal with your broken hearts prior to uh, your attack step. So before you can start like swapping damage from guarding. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a... Angel Feather is also... This card has also kind of fallen off with, I guess, the rest of Angel Feather. But uh, yeah, this card is... um Probably should have been like a double R. Mm-hmm. I think the idea was that people thought it was close enough to a Pegasus. Where it like, deserved to be a common. Mm. And it turns out that it's just way better than a Pegasus because oh. it doesn't because Pegasus like works when it's on your Vanguard circle, right? Yeah, like, to gain some power. But like Broken Heart is like you can like stick it in the back row, and it's like hard for your opponent to interact with it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So I'm probably not going to understand this one too much because I don't, I haven't played with it. But uh, Seven Seas Apprentice uh, Neptrunus. Wait, what? Night Runner. You... Oh my god, my my brain just farted out on me. Okay, so so uh, it's uh, 
it's a starter drop zone. Put four uh, cards in the top of top of your deck near your drop zone. At the end of the battle that you're uh, of your main phase, if you have a Vandar's uh, seven Cs in his card name, you may pay the cost. If you do, call this card rested, and at the end of the turn, you may retire this unit. So I have no idea why. Why what? Why this card is good? Yes. So what this card does is it basically gives a non-GB way to plus every turn. So like this in combination with Nightcrow is a free unit every single turn that doesn't die. Okay. So the idea is and if you if your opponent if you know if you have like two cards in hand and open you know you have like an open regard circle, right? Mm-hmm. You call Night Runner and you get a you get you basically get a free unit to your field. Oh, okay. Assuming you have a Nightcrow engrave and drop. So it just generates a free unit for free. Mm-hmm. Like just Oh, and like for the cost is milling for but, like, the idea is that you're single-driving your opponent's triple-driving, that they're still behind in cards. Gotcha. Well, yeah. So the, this, the, is, this is just, basically, it's a, way, it's a way for a deck that sits on grade one to gain advantage over and over and over again. And they, um, they limited it to one, and you can't use it as your starter, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, basically, what people are doing is they're just playing four of this, and you would just start with it, kill, you just, you know, whatever call over it doesn't matter and then your next turn you'd always have it available yeah so and available to mill again you just keep milling that's crazy and you'll eventually find everything you need and your opponent would die yeah because uh night's final is insane yeah it's good that they restricted this card prior to printing like seven seas crits and draws because the seven seas crits and draws really do help the consistency of the deck mm-hmm uh, because it's easier to get a seven seas ride. Like you can just ride a draw trigger, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this card is just a thing. yeah. Uh, but if you watch the last U.S. Worlds or the U.S. I guess the Western Worlds, the not Japanese one, uh, you get to see people misplay with this card because they can't actually read, despite being at Worlds with the deck. Like what? So that was cool. He activated Night Runner, milled another Night Runner. Then assumed he could activate the one that he milled with the first night runner. Oh my god! Right, this is this is our worlds, everyone. We're smart. Yeah, we we are we are something. Next one. Uh, your oh Mick the Ghostian family, stand trigger from GB. Oh six. Six. Yeah. Um, GB one when this uh it has hollow, which is the keyword for Grand Blue. Basically, when you when you call something, you can choose for it to be hollowed. Not it doesn't have to be by effect or anything. You just when you call it, uh, and then when this unit is called from drop, if it's hollowed, you can choose another one of your units to get plus ten thousand. All right, so this card's very strong for multiple reasons. One is that, well, it works well with itself in the sense that it's a stand trigger that gives a lot of power. So when you if you and it goes back to deck. At the end, when it's retired by something, I forgot about that point. Um, so it gives it's a, it works with itself. It gives a lot of power. Is a stand trigger. So the other copies of Mick the Ghostian family in your deck are working well with the one that you used originally. So like even if it's still on field, because if you trigger a stand after attacking with like a twenty one k Nightstorm, it's really really good. Right, mm-hmm. stands are good with Nightstorm already because of what I just uh, you know even without like a large amount of power. Yeah, and. You can use this defensively with um, uh, Negrolazy on opponent's turn. Yeah. So 
the way you do that is you keep a Necrolazy just on your on your field during your opponent's turn. You can use Negro Lily to kill off Necrolazy and use Necrolazy's skill to call back a mech on opponent's turn and give 10k to Van. So you can actually make like a giant Vanguard with it as well. Yeah. And then another thing about it is that, like, normally uh, triggers with good effects, you feel kind of reluctant darting with them because you don't get to use them for their effects, right? Right. Well, with your toolbox being in the place that guarded cards go to, that just makes it that much better because you're like, all right, I can guard with this and then pull it out next turn. (laughs) That's, like, something that a lot of clans can't boast about. Um, Yeah. Let's see, and then coming up on the last card in the uh, Broken Common Club that we mentioned a little earlier, please welcome Pulsar Hypnosis Sheep. Um, so he's from GBT09, GB1. When he's placed on Rearguard from your hand, until the end of the turn he gets red text. Uh, put this unit into your soul. Choose one of your other rear guards. put it on the bottom of your deck. At the end of the battle that your unit attacked a vanguard, you may pay the cost, if you do, Choose one of your Zodiac Time Beast rear guards and stand it. Yeah, so this card wasn't great before GBT twelve. Yeah. Uh, basically, like there wasn't a lot. To, there wasn't a whole lot to do. Uh, before that, but now you have cards like um, um, what is it? Spearhead Unicorn. Yeah. That works insanely well with this. Yeah. Because you can basically use like Spearhead Unicorn. Uh, call calls a unit every time it attacks. Is 11k, so like it can attack by itself for like still hitting. You can call additional unit, attack, and then keep restanding with uh stupid the sheep. sheep. I find it funny that you have to get the skill when it's placed from hand because like they know that if you had just could do all the stuff with time leap or melum or whatever, you could just search it out. Right, like, right. They learned their lesson, and so you know, with enough, you know, with enough CB, you can just gain a lot of you can gain a lot of extra attacks. And if you have double, if you have, you know, let's say, uh, one card in deck that's a sheep, right? And you have a sheep, and you have two sheep in play, and you go, I'm attack with, I'm gonna attack with unicorn. I'm gonna call a sheep. I'm gonna put a sheep at the bottom. Let's say you have two cards in deck, whatever. So you're not, so you're not okay. taking out. Yeah. Or no, one. Then you're like, okay, I'm gonna put a sheep on the. I'm gonna put a sheep on the bottom. I'm gonna stand my unicorn. I'm gonna attack again. I'm gonna put call a sheep. Put a sheep on the bottom. Stand my unicorn. You just keep doing this. Yeah. And like, you'll just keep attacking. And just think, if you find a way to CB, you can just do it. Or just counter charge. You just, you just do it. Yeah. You're just, you're just there. Or if you have three counter blasts, you could do that. Depending on what time of the game well, it is, it's a counter, it's a counterblast for every call for the unicorn. Oh, okay. So you'll be out of CB eventually. Yeah. It's not an on play CB gain red text. It's on yeah. play gain red text for CB. <laughs> gotcha. That's still crazy good though. Um. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the broken common club. So we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the kill on site club. Wait, what? What do you mean I have to do a sponsorship? Okay. As well, this episode was brought to you by TCG Player. TCGplayer.com is the best place to go for your card orders. 
let's say you don't want to go to your local store because the clerk freaks you out or you don't live in the uh, Southern California area where you can go to Frankenstein, tcgplayer.com lets you order all of your cards in one convenient place. Vanguard, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, they have Dragon Ball for some reason. They got it all. So we don't have a promo code yet for Nexus at night, but I'm hoping the TCG player hears this and they give you guys a promo code. So how's about all you listeners out there tweet at tcgplayer.com or email them and maybe we can get you guys a discount over time because I know other podcasts get to do that. So TCG player, that's where I go for my cards anyway. Let's get back to the show. Hey everybody, welcome back. So uh, in this part of the episode, we're going to be talking about the Kill on Sight Club. And what we mean by that is uh, there are cards that are kind of important for a deck to play, and that if you're playing against it, you should probably focus your, you know, retire skill if you're Kagero, or if you're just, if you have a retire skill, or a bind, or a return to deck, or whatever it is your deck does. Or if it's a grade two, attack the hell out of that thing, because it's important. <laughs> so, um... Starting off, we got a good one. Blaster Blade. I don't think I really need to say what Blaster Blade does. It's just, it's important. It, it, it has the name Blaster Blade. That's what it does. Yeah, so basically, it's because it's a grade 2 and Blaster Blade exceeds a grade 3, you can just attack that thing. Because if it's kept around, people are they're just going to keep restanding it and all that stuff. Granted, it's got about a million other ways to search it out again and recycle it. So it might be kind of a futile effort, but it's definitely like, oh, on attack, I can retire grade two. Kill Blaster Blade, if you can. Yeah, so a, lo- a lot of these are going to be kill if able. Like, a lot yeah. of clients don't even have the ability to deal with any of these things, but uh, if you can, maybe you should deal with them. Yeah, or or if the person happens to be stupid enough to like try and rush them, you with them up front or something, or that kind right. of thing. Yeah, so the next one is, um, I mean, I guess as a kill on site, is Knight of Morning Light Horsa. This this rhyming name, though. Uh, so it's GB1 Unite. Uh, when your other unit is placed in rearguard circle, choose one of your other units in the same column as this unit. That unit and this unit gain power plus 2,000 until end of turn. Uh, basically, this makes gigantic columns, so you want to kill it to prevent like a lot of glorious reigning shenanigans in the Gold Paladin decks. Yeah. But, uh... I think so few people play Gold Paladins at this point, or are willing to keep playing Gold Paladins at this point, that's not really, shouldn't be that much of a concern. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like, they're getting support in 13, that might change. Maybe. But or they're just going to be worse ZTBs. That's so sad. Look, they had their chance. They also have, like, the one of the worst characters in the show playing them, so they but, get what's coming to them. Come on, Tyo's a nice person. Okay, it doesn't change the fact that he's shit. <laughs> Okay. He's got a stupid haircut, I'll give you that. Um, he's also shit at Vanguard. Yeah. Fucking goes into the the Gurgit stride. i cut Flame of Victory for Catch Call Liberator. Okay, he did, I don't think I ever I, saw I, him... Tayo. I don't think I saw him with that card. You just hear him talking about it. Right, right. Uh, and, then nev- and then never again do you see Catch Call Liberator. Yeah. Exactly. Why do I get the feeling? Because like Chrono tells him to do that, right? So like, wouldn't he just be like, "No, shut up, no." He, he says something like, "I think I want more stands in my deck," and then Chrono says like some empty words of encouragement, and then Tayo's like, "All right, I'm gonna cut Flame of Victory for Catch Call Liberator." 
Okay. That's um, pretty much what happened. All right. So the next one isn't quite a card. It's more of like a role that's being played. So if you're playing against Blade Wings, and uh, on you know on their grade two turn, they're going to put down a card like Ending Bank Assassin or Dimension Creeper, which when they ride Blade Wing Sullivan, they will get to pick that card, grab up to three copies of it from their deck, and put it into Soul. So if you happen to have like a Gatling Claw Dragon and they put down the Assassin, don't kill their starter, kill that thing, because it's very, very important for their engine to get going. Or if they happen to be dumb enough to put it in the front row, attack the hell out of it, but I haven't seen anybody like that yet. I, I've seen, I've heard of stories with people like that, mostly on card fight area. Oh. So I can only assume they're bad because they play in card fight area. What? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not touching that one. Your turn. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next one is a nurse of broken heart. So this is what this, so this uh, ties in a bit what we mentioned before uh, with it being just a very good common is that if you have a way to deal with it prior to your opponent's attack step, it takes a lot of the defensive capabilities of Angel Feather out of the way. And so a lot of times Angel Feather players will put this in the back row just to, like, make it even harder to deal with. Yeah. But if you have the option to deal with it, it's generally a good idea. It's just mm-hmm. it's going to make your turn a lot simpler. Well, also, if, like, if they're being offensive with it, then, yeah, I would try and kill that first. Mm-hmm. Um What's probably going to end up happening is they're going to use that rescue G guard and just be like, "All right, my front row's twenty k." Yep. Base. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Next up, tank mammoth. So this is for Tachikaze. Uh, it's an eight k grade two counter blast one soul blast one. When this unit is put in a drop zone from rear guard during your turn, you may pay the cost. If you do, call this card to rear guard and it gets plus three k till end of turn. So the big thing about this is that it can only be used on that the person who on the owner's turn. So if you blow it up with a skill, they're not just going to be like, all right, counter blast, soul blast, get it back. It's dead. And it's kind of important because this is Tachikaze's only way to get like a good amount of multi attacks. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like it, it's not, I see a lot of people ignore him in, in favor of like Sarko blaze or, you know, some you, generic and gorging it. Yeah, because they're like, this is the one that's attacking for numbers, right? No, Tank Mammoth is the one getting all the numbers of attacks. Kill it. Kill it now. <laughs> um, I'm annoyed that a lot of these modern Tachikaze cards are during your turn only. Do you think that was on purpose, or...? Uh, I don't know. I don't know I don't know how Bushi decides these things. Me neither, but it's very annoying that they did that. <laughs> Um, so next one is Sever Temper, which is a, a grade two promo for uh, Nova Grappler. Uh, it has some skill that when you check a grade three, you can retire a front row rear guard with less power. It doesn't matter. The point is, it also has a GB two's rush skill that when uh, it stands due to the effect of one of your cards, it gets power plus ten thousand. It's his five k. Wait, I thought it was five k twice. I think that might be involving. If you have it, I think it's like involving other stuff, like other things giving five. Oh my bad. He himself my, my gets five k. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. Is that yeah. everything else gives a five k, and then it also gets five k. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it has. A, so yeah, it, it stands, and you need a Victor Vanguard, and it gets five k until end of turn. But this, uh, it, but it's until end of turn, so it stacks. Yeah. 
and it's just it's just very strong. Basically, all of the crazy plays that uh, they make involve this card. Yeah, I mean, like often t- well, kill- killing Nova's rear guards in general hurts, but like that especially is the big one you want to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I would, and I think this is pretty equivalent to Sazanda. Like, you just want to kill both of them. Yeah. So the 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 reason that this makes it the reason that this card is better than Sazanda is due to having the actual rush ability. Yeah. Where Sazanda has like almost the rush ability, but doesn't have the rush keyword printed on it, so it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's you, just like why? Yeah. Do you want to swap so you get Commander Laurel and I get the one after? Yeah, sure. There's also Commander Laurel. It's a Grade One 4K from GB from sorry BT4. Uh, double R. And it says whenever your Dimension Police Vanguard hits, hits whatever, it doesn't matter, you can rest four Dimension Police Rearguards and restand your Vanguard. Uh, so this card is gener- like with in combination with Guard Break of Dimensional Robo, it's kind of hard to always just make sure you're able to guard. So killing Laurel makes their, your opponent's Vanguard hitting less good. Yeah, or less so- scary in general. Yeah, so it's not like a plus, you know, three or whatever, just for hitting. So you, it's a pretty good idea to make sure Laurel goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is uh, the, one of the new starters for Dark Regulars, Durang Singular. Now, uh, you will more often say, see this in Darkness than you will in uh, Blade Wings, but you do see it in Blade Wings from time to time. I'm currently giving it a try right now, and it's working out pretty well, but... It still is uh, some darkness still with the 2k boost. The important thing is that when your G-Unit strides, you put this unit and all of your grade 1 or greater rear guards into your soul and draw two cards. So what this means is that you can rush with stuff like calling out a Dimension Creeper or Were Tiger Jaeger or Triggers or what have you. And then when you stride, it all goes in there to boost your soul count. You get to draw two. And then if any of those were Were Tiger Jaegers, you get to draw even more cards off of that. So if you blow this up before they get to stride, then it kind of punishes them for overcommitting because this was the way to earn your resources back. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Like, I, I, like if you have the Calibum or whatever that the ZTV equivalent was that we were talking about last week, use it. Um, or, you know, Gatlin Claw or whatever it is you're playing with. So, yeah, good starter to kill. Um, another one in there that I can uh, point to is Cat Knight in Boots. So he doesn't have the Forerunner ability, but um, when he's pulled out of Soul by the Magia ability, you can pull something else out with it. Or sorry, when placed on R from Soul, you can pull something else with it, and then it goes back in at the end. And then the other skill is when uh, a Grade 3 or Greater unit is placed on your Vanguard Circle, so usually Striding, he pops out on his own. So, because he's basically a free plus two to your field just by striding, if you can, again, kill that on your opponent's turn, it makes their turns a lot slower in building a field. It basically cuts half their field, but it's so hard to, like, you know, find a way to kill this piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, typically what's going to happen is, like, usually, like, they'll do the, all right, both my princesses are in soul and I have, you know paratrooper and the cat left you go like all right impede i have no board kill them both <laughs> that kind of thing um if that even works if that even works not cat I, i'm sure like we'll get stuff in the future like you know clans will get something in the future to fuck up wait wait wait, wait. what chimera chimera can get him wait chimera 
for um for Gear Chronicle that uh it's a G guard counterblast one choose oh, oh wait yeah. no is that opponents choose or, is it, or do they choose uh let's find out Pandora I don't know Chimera. I don't I don't know what bad cards do so I just have to look them up uh Pandora Chimera let's see it is only Chris ever played this card against me and I still crushed him your opponent chooses a unit in his or back row, oh never so mind that's not even in the matter yeah. <laughs> Maybe Kagro has a G-Guard that kills a grade one in back row, so... Uh, they have the flippy one. You can kill a grade mm-hmm. one or less. So, so that could pop your cat. Yeah. But so, I think that's it. That Like, a lot of or, this is just, like, stuff to tell the Kagro. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, Kagro should kill this. Yeah, exactly. All right, so there's another one, Nightmare Doll Alice. Uh, everyone should know what this card does, so I'm not yeah. going to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 if it hits, it gets to attack again, basically. Yeah. <laughs> And then if, but, uh, it, if it doesn't, it still does. All right, so the Nightmare Doll Engine relies on having two Alice's. Like, it must have two Alice's for it to work. Yeah. Because you have to, you have to like, swap Alice's positions in some way. And basically, you just need to. Anyway, the point is this. Um, you, need, you have two Alice's, and so you, ba- you need to kill their Alice's, but if they already have two in soul, killing their Alice doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't matter as much. So that's not really what's important. The other thing you need to check, the other thing to keep to beat Nightmare Dolls is just deny them CB. Yeah. Without CB, the deck cannot operate. Yeah, they have a great one that helps them counter charge, but it's too dang slow. So. Well, no, if they're at two damage, it doesn't matter. If they can counter charge. Yeah. Like they're gonna attack you, you know, like three times, and that's gonna be the end of their turn. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, just that they they every attack requires a CB, so, whatever. Um, it's not like Silverthorn, which can actually go infinite. That's true. No Silverthorn. Uh, title Assaults. So anybody who has ever played Aqua, against Aqua Force ever should know what this does, but to those who don't, it's 9k grade 2 that after he attacks a Vanguard, he restands with power minus 5,000. Both free. And it's what for turn, so you can't like go from 4,000 to negative 1, and then that kind of thing. Um, the important thing is that this... Hel- it, he's two attacks on his own, which when you're Aqua Force and care about the number of battles you do per turn, it's kind of important. Um, it's also allows you to be very aggressive early game if you're uh, riding grade two after your opponent does, because you can go, all right, attack for nine with title assault. You know, they guard or no guard. Restand, it's at four. Boost with my back row starter. Attack for nine again. You know, so it's still putting pressure in the early game, and then in the later game, you got all these effects to give it power and restand with more power and Lambros, and like, it's just crazy. Kill that thing hard. Anything or uh, title? Uh, one thing I will say about Title Assault, and this is probably my favorite memory, is that the sneak peek for BT thirteen. Um, he was really insane. Why? This is sneak peek Hall of Fame. It's a grade two that attacks multiple times in a sneak peek. Like th- that's just nuts, right? Yeah. Like, how do you even beat that card? I don't know. That I like how that's your favorite memory. <laughs> like, because it, it was just it was just so stupid. Like, <laughs> you just needed to find any other Aquaforce unit that was grade two or higher, and this card was just nuts. It's like so good. I know, but this card is very solid and has been randomly expensive at various points. Well, usually what happens is it's just, like, out of print. And then, like, they put it in the Revival Collection, which was good, so it's easier to find now. Yeah. So that's nice. 
Um, so the last guy. Here we go. So it's Cran Tiger, and I'm reading this for some reason, not you. Ah, well, I, that's just how we had bad planning. Whatever. Uh, it's a it's it's a once per turn skill. Uh, GB one. Uh, it's an it's a amber clone, so it you know it has uh, when this unit attacks, this unit's boosted. You can counter blast one if you do. Well, this one you choose one of your rear guards, stand it, uh, other rear guards, and stand it. It gets power plus four thousand, and a turn draw a card, retire it. Basically, this is the only thing that even makes Great Nature pretend to be a deck. Yeah. Like, it, if this card did not exist, Great Nature would be a pile of bad cards. It it and Horton are basically the only thing allowing us to have multi-attacks, aside from stand triggers. Yeah. Like, it's... Yeah, Tuskmaster and Tiger are both very solid. Yeah. But the rest of the rear guards are just, like, hoping that something else makes them good. And we still don't have Tapering Beaver. Yeah. I want that, so, damn it. Yeah, that card's great. Yeah. And so that's something else that they should be looking for. But yeah, so basically Cran Tiger is the only card that makes the deck good, so you should kill it. Yeah. Oh, but... sorry. Th- that makes the deck a deck. Uh, sorry, the deck's still not good even with Cran Tiger. <laughs> so... Gotta hit gotta hit me where it hurts, don't you? Look, I look I'm I'm here I'm here to analyze the data and yeah. and say and say truthful statements. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And it if just you're... so happens that a truthful statement is uh in it causes you pain. That's just a bonus. And it doesn't matter if you're if you're a little cunty. That's just how you are. <laughs> um, it's okay. I have I'm like halfway through my ban from the subreddit. Yeah. For, I again, I got banned for no reason. So I guess this is pretty good. Whatever. I mean, like the. Like I, I got a message from a listener this week where it was, uh, it was like I appreciate Gabe being gone, which I understand Gabe is a d- divisive figure. Fine, but uh, he was like la- last week's episode. You guys were strangely non-cunty. I'm like, what? Okay, I, like the, I don't our- think I was like terrible. T- I, I, I was, I, I talked enough shit about Narukami. It was yeah. just like their cards were good. It's just that Narukami's good cards don't add up to a, don't add up to a good deck. Yeah. Well, okay. Just the the big deal is that like we're not the the whole point of the podcast is to say things about the metagame and about cards that are, are truthful. We're not gonna hold back if you like if you want a, a lighter Vanguard podcast, go listen to Drive Check. Which, by the way, they're an amazing podcast. If you haven't found them, go find them. Drive Check. Good. All right, but. I'm not going to sit here and, like, dance around a, a bad card being good. Exactly, because somebody, yeah. Because cards don't have feelings, and if a card is bad, I'm just going to say it's bad and move on with my life. Yeah, like, I mean... I'm not... It's not... Like, I don't want to waste a lot of time with cards that are bad. Yeah, I mean, th- that's just, like, a game-wide problem of people getting too attached to, you know, this or that. Like, me talking shit about, your cl- about the clan that you identify with is not me talking shit about you, yeah. and it shouldn't even begin to take that... To, to, you shouldn't even pretend that that's the case. I mean, you just spent like two minutes like ye- uh, yelling about great nature, and I totally agree with you. Unfortunately, oh, I, I mean, I also spent like two minutes talking about how shit DP was, and that's yours, which, isn't it? Yeah, which is my which which is my clan. So, yeah. like, it's just about being realistic and not playing decks that are garbage. Yeah, I mean, okay, look, it, there is a, another a, like addendum to this, which is if you can't afford a super expensive deck, then you can't. Make a budget I mean, one. Seven runner is pretty cheap. That's what I'm just throw okay, it out there. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> if you have to play a less expensive version of the deck, but it's not super meta, then that that's just how life is. That's understandable, you know. Yeah. Like, 
but don't act like how am I going to use this to like show everyone like it's not a, it's not a prom dress made from carpet remnants goddammit it's it's oh. the le- it's the less expensive version of something else like I tried ghetto luard it was good but it wasn't as good as regular luard because also, it was ghetto I think another yeah. point is that people aren't honest for the reasons they're running a deck like people play a deck that is inefficient due to budget constraints and then try and convince themselves that it is a better version of the deck, which is very, very bad. uh, Very, very bad idea. That's fair. Like just because you're maybe they've had some positive experience at locals with their, you know, cheaper version. They somehow think it's better. I think is, uh, Rather I, short-sighted. I mean, if if you're having a good experience at locals and you want to keep doing that, fucking keep doing that. <laughs> it, that's yeah, but fine. You shouldn't try to like defend your inefficient version of the deck. Like, you should realize that, like, if you're if you're if you know if you have some external constraints, like, you should think about how that might affect uh, how that affects the performance of your deck, and be a, be open to people saying like, I think this card is much better, but and you're like, oh, I can't afford that card. Well, I'm going to. Uh, that that's probably true. That's probably true, but I can't. I can't test it. Or just proxy the cards you're missing and actually check. Yeah. <clears throat> like, find somebody who's a decent playtest partner, and then you play. You know, jam some games. You know, try to figure out mistakes. Again, you should be uh, more lenient for mistakes when people are playing with proxies because you can't literally see the card. Uh, and just. Play out, play out the game. See if you know. See if it is better, and give it more than just like two games. Mm-hmm. Like two games is a data point. It's not. It doesn't tell you a trend. Like say, you should I, play like fifteen or twenty games, probably. I mean, obviously, if you don't have the time, you don't have the time. That's how people work. Um, well, that that was off a tangent, but who cares? It's Nexus at night, the podcast of tangents. Well. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our little list here. If you have uh, any things, a- any cards that you thought we missed um, for the Broken Common Club or the Kill on Sight Club, you can uh, tweet them at us at Nexus at Night. Uh, you can tweet me at Atlas Novak. You can tweet Matt at Wiggums Two Gs Two Zs. And uh, we're also uh, in Proofs Living Proofs Discord that uh, we hang out in there. I'm the Giant Awkward Bear, and Matt is also still Wiggums in there. So. I'm- Oh, yeah, I am, actually. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> Wiggums, parentheses, Matt, and then a robot face or whatever. Um, and then also, I I started a blog for myself, which I'm going to plug because it's my podcast. It's uh, just giantawkwardbear.wordpress.com. Uh, I, I figure since I'm still vaguely... Jo- I, I got a job at a costume store. Yay for me. But Halloween in January. Halloween in January. But, like, it, it, it like just, I don't know. I, I, I felt it would be good to try and, uh, like, sharpen my writing skills. So I'm going to be trying trying to update that every couple days if you want to just see what my life is like. So, cool. Please, Whatever. please, please just do things that make your life vaguely interesting. I mean, <laughs> it's not like, like that. You go, you go out and do something, you're like, oh, I can write this in my blog. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> that, that's how stand up works. Oh, man, I got almost I, I, I got robbed in a in a 7-Eleven, just that kind of thing. Really? No, I did not get robbed in a 7-Eleven. Dang it. All right. Well, until next time, I was Atlas. I'm Matt. And have a good night, everyone.
I want to take the time to thank anybody who has come across this podcast. Be sure to share us with your friends and family, anybody who likes Vanguard. I also want to thank anybody who uh, found this outside of YouTube. So if you're on your podcast app or SoundCloud, thanks for, for finding us on the not most popular medium. Uh, you can also check out, if you haven't uh, found us already, the Nexus Core YouTube channel, which this podcast is a part of. Um, so we have like card fights, deck profiles, sketches, all that good stuff. Uh, if you're still listening at this point and want to stab me with a spork for some reason, uh, you, you didn't have to. You could have just stopped at the music. But thanks for listening anyway, and we'll see you next time.